I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. You're listening to Make Some Noise Minisode, number 561. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. And if you listen to the episode on Wednesday, my interview with Dan uh, Meet Sethi, you might have heard me talk about on November 15th, I'm going to go live on TikTok. And I wanted to remind you again, I really hope that you come. What's also exciting about this that I didn't mention in the last episode is that I'm hoping to do one of these mini-sodes live on TikTok and record it so you can see a little bit of a behind the scenes. And when I do that, it's going to be another AMA. So wish me luck with that kind of multitasking, (laughs) but I think I can manage. So essentially I'll be going live and recording, simultaneously recording a mini-sode and answering your questions. There's going to you know there's going to be a lot of editing that takes place later in post production for the podcast to come out and sound good. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I'm trying new things, stepping out of my comfort zone over here, and I would love if you could join me for this one. November 15th, it's a ask me anything uh, Q&A type of session, 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, over on TikTok. I am at hey Andrea Owen. All right, let's get into the content. If you can if you can hear some purring it's not me. It's my daughter's cat. She's <laughs> we've become quite close over the last handful of months or well not that long. So my daughter went back to school and she comes to see me and she likes to lay on my desk and lay right near me. And and she also likes to walk back and forth in front of me while I'm trying to work and put her tail in my face and all those great things that that cats do. And so she's here. I'm trying to to ignore her a little bit so she just takes a little nap. Today we're talking about emotions. One of my favorite topics and one of my least favorite things up until about a decade ago, to be honest with you, and learning about 
emotions and feelings and how they show up in our lives, how they manifest, how to process them, how to recognize them, get curious about them. That has helped me so much. I think especially as someone who struggles with anxiety, as well as someone who grew up in a, not just a house, but a culture where you know, knowing knowing how to recognize your emotions, process them, name them, like was not something that was encouraged. And again, this is not to blame and shame my family. They did the absolute best that they could and did a damn good job in so many other areas. But, you know, they weren't raised about processing emotions either. So we were kind of left up to our own devices and learned ways to cope that weren't great. And that's what I'm going to talk about today so that you can recognize this in your own life and hopefully choose a different way. And of course, as you know, one of my mentors and guides around this topic has always been Brene Brown. And uh, I mean, I'm not just certified in her work, but I've been following her since 2009 and just have really enjoyed watching the trajectory of of her work and how it's evolved. And in the book, Rising Strong, if you have a copy of it, you can check it out yourself. It's in, in chapter four. And what she calls this, and, and I, I don't think that she coined this term. I think it's a term used in psychology and, and therapy offices. It's called offloading emotions. So I'm going to go through all of those. I'm, I'm sure I have talked about it on a previous podcast, but I'm not sure if I've talked about it in you know one specific show. So I'm going to I'm going to talk to you about that. And you know, before I do, it, the whole rising strong, and I I actually teach this curriculum one on one if you're interested in doing it with me. But she talks about in the, in the book Rising Strong. She talks about she sort of breaks it down into three parts, the reckoning, the rumble, and the revolution. And and the reckoning is the first part. It's where you, it's self-awareness is what it is. It's self-awareness. It's where you see where you're at. You know where you're at. You name it. You probably take responsibility and acknowledge anything that you, you need to do that with. And then you rumble. And the rumbling is the process it's the processing of the emotions. It's the processing of the story that happened to us. And then the revolution is where you change things. So today I'm going to be talking, we're going to stay in those first two in the reckoning and the the rumble. And I, I love how she says this in the book. And she says, curiosity is a shit starter, but that's okay. Sometimes we have to rumble with a story to find the truth. Oh, I love that. I want to start by saying this. We are, I, I believe we are far more emotional than we think we are. Emotions guide us. They cause us to react and respond in ways that many times we're not proud of. Anytime we have a quote unquote knee jerk reaction, especially if we're in an argument with someone where we don't have a lot of time to process and think about what's going on with us, where we're coming from, what emotion we're actually in. We are usually responding from a highly emotional place. And it, it's typically not a not a healthy one. And yeah, I think I just read what I just wanted to, to emphasize is that 
we are emotional beings who we have emotions first and then we think. I truly believe we are running around far more emotional than we even realize. And the more that we can get in touch with that, the more than we can see it as quickly as possible so that we can get curious about it, (laughs) shit starter, and maybe see where our emotions are kind of getting the best of us and choose something different. So I'm going to give you an example. And this comes straight from the book. And she says, she talks about maybe kind of the thoughts that we might have when we're what she calls hooked, when we are triggered, when we're activated. So I'm quoting from the book. Maybe our thought is, I don't know what's happening, but I just want to hide. I just know I want to punch a wall. I want Oreos, lots of them. I feel, fill in the blank, disappointed, regretful, pissed, hurt, angry, heartbroken, confused, scared, worried, etc. I am blank. I am in a lot of pain, feeling really vulnerable, in a shame storm, embarrassed, humiliated, overwhelmed, in a world of hurt. Uh, My partner ignored my bid for connection, and now I'm feeling something between anger and fear. My stomach is in knots. So that's that's kind of some thoughts that you might have, or even you know maybe some feelings. I might they might not be specific thoughts; they might be feelings. I mean, you can all of you listening can probably relate to at least one of those. And so the hope is, you know, the win is when you can pause for a moment instead of going for the Oreos, instead of lashing out because you're feeling hurt or disappointed or humiliated instead of hiding because you're feeling all those things, you're feeling activated. So what curiosity would look like is to ask yourself, why am I being so hard on everyone around me? Why did I just snap at my teenager or my kid or my coworker or my partner? What is it that's setting me off? How did I get to the point where I want to punch this wall? I want to dig in and get curious about why I'm so overwhelmed. Why can I not stop thinking about that conversation at work? I'm having a very strong emotional reaction. What's really going on? I know the Oreos aren't going to work. I know the wine isn't going to work. What's really happening? What's going on with my stomach? So those are kind of some pivots that you can take from the previous thing I was talking about regarding, you know, noticing when things are happening in your mind, in your body, because things are happening in both of those places. So you can hopefully pause for a moment and think about what's really going on. I'm going to take a quick ad break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about all the ways that we offload our emotions. Be right back. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, 
is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Okay, so before I get into these, uh, you may if you've never done this work before, if you've never you know, read the book, you might want to get out a piece of paper and start to jot some notes down. And also, as I go through these, you may want to jot down where this has ever been modeled for you, where you have seen this in your life, in your family, uh, or any workplace, anywhere else. And if you do this, and I'll, I'll kind of touch on that a little bit, you know, where we tend to see these types of uh, ways of offloading hurt. And um, sometimes they are gender specific. So the first one is chandeliering. And chandeliering is when it's it's used, Brene tells this story in the book, her, her husband is a pediatrician and he calls it chandelier pain, where, you know, if you touch something on someone, like say someone broke their leg and the doctor's palpating, the person's going to flinch. Like there's no way that they can hide that. As stoic as they try to be, as tough and strong as they try to be, they're going to at least flinch. It hurts so much to the touch that people jump as high as the chandelier is what she says in the book that her husband says. So people do this when, you know, sometimes people do this when they ignore emotional pain. So, you know, we pack down that hurt so much and often we are convinced that it possibly can't surface. And then all of a sudden it will come out when someone gives you, uh, you know, you get an innocuous comment even, can send someone into a rage or you completely break down in tears or maybe you make a small mistake at work and you're just, and you're even given, you know, quiet and constructive feedback about it and you fall into a shame attack it just it hits that very very tender place and you jump out of your skin. She also talks about in regard to chandeliering how it's especially common and dangerous even in quote unquote power over situations where there's power differentials because the person in the higher position or status is less less likely to be held accountable for their overreacting, for them being unreasonable. And, you know, these are places where people who don't have the power tend to get to get hurt and sort of bear the brunt of it. You know, this happens in in families, this happens in in the workplace. And also what's happening is the stoicism and the kind of keeping it together in front of others, especially if it's people that you want to, you know, that they want to impress or influence happens. But then 
when they're around people that they have either physical power over, emotional power over, financial power over, they can explode. And again, it happens in families, it happens at schools, it happens in communities, it happens in offices. And then when you mix in things like gender, class, race, sexual orientation, age, it can be a a really not great combination combination. We also see this with road rage and sporting events. You'll see a lot of chandeliering. And and over time, you know, this can be traumatic. And this is where the uh the expression walking on eggshells comes from when you are around someone who commonly does chandeliering. All right, so that's that. Bouncing hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm giggling cuz raises hand. All right, so with bouncing hurt, Brené talks about how this is largely led by our ego. And she says that our egos, I love, she has a lot of metaphors and analogies. Our egos employ crews of ruffians (laughs) and that those ruffians are anger, blame, and avoidance. So when an experience happens that is an emotional one, we get our feelings hurt, we are disappointed with someone or something, we get angry. It's much easier for us to say, I don't give a damn. I don't give a shit. It's easier to say that than I'm hurt and I need to process it and talk about it. So the ego likes to blame. It likes to find fault, point fingers, make excuses, inflict payback and lashing out. Eek fight fire with fire, I call that one. And it's the ultimate form of self-protection. So yeah, the ego is a huge fan of avoidance. Just, I'm fine, I'm fine. No, it's fine. Let's just let's just move on. It, it's totally fine. Don't worry about it. We pretend that it doesn't matter, that we're indifferent, that we're impervious. And that will <laughs> come back to bite you in the ass. I mean, just one reason is that's that is the birthplace of resentment. And resentment will fester and grow and grow and grow. And it's just bad, bad news all around. The next one is numbing. I don't know if I, I really need to go into too much explanation with this one. I think that if you listen to this podcast, if you've read any of my books, you're well-versed. And, and maybe from experience, you're well-versed in it. But numbing are the things that we do, the things that we employ, the coping mechanisms that we employ when we are trying to avoid any kind of complicated, difficult emotion. And for my audience, for y'all, a lot of time this is alcohol, it can be food, it can be social media or the internet, it can be work. I know cleaning, some of them are, you know, noble ways to numb out. And I was thinking about, I don't know if this is an interesting analogy or not, but I was thinking about the game Duck, Duck, Goose. Do you guys remember that one? If you're if you're my age, it was definitely a, a game that we played, especially at school on, on rainy days when we had to be in the auditorium. And 
you know, the way it works is all the children sit in a circle and there's one child who goes around the outside of the circle and every time they put their their hand on another kid's head and they say duck 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 and then they pick someone and they say goose and then the goose tries to chase them and then if you uh i can't remember if you either get caught or not you have to sit in the middle and the middle is called the what it's called the mush pot do they still play this game and so basically you're like the loser and you have to sit in the middle and, you know, everyone knows that you just lost. And it's literally, it's called the mush pot. And I was thinking about that the other day. And I'm like, that's what it feels like to feel your feelings without any numbing. You just sit there feeling so incredibly exposed and vulnerable. In the mush pot. Until it's not your turn anymore. God, how did we survive? <laughs> Gen X and elder millennial <laughs> childhoods. Jeez Louise. So yeah, that that's numbing. I don't know if, again, if I need to go into it anymore. Uh, let's move on to the next one, which is one of my, also one of my favorites, stockpiling hurt. This one is very common with women. I think, I think chandeliering, you know, I said things are gender, um, gender specific. Chandeliering can be more common with men and stockpiling hurt, very, very common in women. So she says, I'm, I'm going to quote, uh, quote, there's a quiet insidious alternative to chandeliering, bouncing or numbing hurt. We can stockpile it. We're not erupting with misplaced emotions or using blame to deflect our true feelings or numbing the pain. Stockpiling starts like chandeliering with us firmly packing down the pain. But here we just continue to amass hurt until the wisest parts of us, our bodies, decide that enough is enough. The body's message is always clear. Shut down the stockpiling or I'll shut you down. The body wins every time. End quote. Uh, she she talks about Bessel van der Kolk's work from The Body Keeps the Score, which I've mentioned several times here. And and there's a book that I have not read, so I, I can't attest to to it. But I've read clips of it, read parts of it, and I'm a huge fan of Gabor Mate's work. And th this book, particular book, is called When the Body Says No. But he uh, he cites some research in there about autoimmune disorders which are much more common in women. And, oh man, <laughs> I just, like it gives me goosebumps to talk about it and even makes me a little emotional because I have coached so many women who have struggled with burnout, who struggled with debilitating anxiety, insomnia, even clinical depression, and I am convinced that some of that stems from stockpiling hurt. In addition to, side note, I think for women, we tend to be the emotional shock absorbers for other people in our life who struggle with their own emotional intelligence, emotional agility and we take it on and we absorb it and we stockpile theirs too 
I know I have absolutely done this. I am I am certain, partly because of the timing of my autoimmune disorder, that much of it, you know, I, I do think I have, you know, my predisposition, my mother has at least one. I do, I think my body just said no. And it's interesting too, because I stopped the alcohol numbing and have gotten so much better with the emotions, but there were particular relationships in my life, one in particular that I'm thinking of, that I really struggled with emotional boundaries and expressing my own emotions and and feeling safe in that relationship. And in 2020, when the pandemic hit and that stress shot through the roof, my body said, no, we're done. Can't, cannot continue. All right, so there's two left. And again, I encourage you to get out your notebook, get out your notes app, see if you relate to any of these or see if maybe you grew up in a house where these were modeled for you. I know, this is this is big work. Okay, so this one is what she calls hurt and the fear of high centering. So she describes, Brene describes, uh, oh, this is like the worst when this happens, where she ran over in her car a cement median in a parking lot and got stuck. And so she couldn't, you know, she knew she was stuck. She couldn't move forward <laughs> and she couldn't move back. And this is closely related to when I talk about the point of no return. When you see what is happening and you're like, okay, I don't want to move forward to walk into this and process all of this emotion and this experience or whatever, but I also can't unsee it. I can't move back. And so this particular way of offloading the emotions is you're just avoiding and you deny the feelings, any feelings that you might have out of fear of that getting stuck part. You know, she says, quote, if I recognize my hurt or fear or anger, I'll get stuck. Once I engage even a little, I won't be able to move backward and pretend that it doesn't matter. But moving forward might open a floodgate of emotion that I can't control and I'll be stuck, helpless. Recognizing the emotion leads to feeling it, end quote. So that's why we avoid that one. And the very last one is what she calls the umbrage. It's a Harry Potter character, for those of you <laughs> that don't don't know this particular character. And I'll, I'll quote from the chapter, quote, Umbridge wears cutesy pink suits and pillbox hats, adorns her pink office with bows and trinkets decorated with kittens, and is a fan of torturing children who misbehave. Yikes. So more specifically, again, this one's a little bit gender specific. This tends to happen... Uh, with women, especially who grow up with a lot of perfectionism. And so this will look like someone who always is positive. And they were probably praised for that, always being, you know, good vibes only type of person. And, you know, it, it's a little bit of a, a mix of of stockpiling in there, but they will never, you know, never let them see a sweat. You'll never see that side of them, that's an umbrage. And that's that's all of them. That is all of the ways from, from Rising Strong, from Brene Brown's book, that we tend to offload our hurt, offload 
our pain. So we're going to take one more quick break. When we get back, I'm going to talk to you about how to stop feeling like shit, how to not do this anymore. What's the solution? Be right back. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. All right. So what is the solution? There are solutions. Uh, The first one is so important and that's the getting curious part. That's what I talked about in the very beginning. Getting curious about maybe why you just, we'll talk about chandeliering, why you just flipped out, why you just snapped at someone who really didn't deserve it. Uh, Why you just broke down crying. (laughs) Makes it a little more obvious. Why your stomach is in knots maybe wondering why you woke up with anxiety this morning. And I want to add in here during this process, having lots and lots of self-compassion. I'm not never going to stop talking about this because I think if, especially if you're in the beginning stages of really learning how to process your emotions and do this work, sometimes we can get a little hard on ourselves and say things like, I feel like I should be farther along by now. How am I, why would I get triggered by that? Why am I getting so activated about this? This person shouldn't matter to me that much anymore. I'm an adult. Why Why am I letting my my mother's actions bother me this much? You know, I'm I'm five years older than my boss. Why on earth would I let them get to me? Things like that. So self-compassion, we tend to not have a lot of control over our emotions, if, if any at all. So it is just information. It is just your body trying to take care of itself. It will pass, I promise. It might hurt like a motherfucker, but it will pass. So give yourself a break. You're human. And it happens to everybody. It happens to everybody. Brene talks about permission slips. And this can be helpful if you like to take this kind of action that, I don't know, it, you know, you're, you're writing things down, you're sort of making a declaration, an intention. It can even be a ritual of sorts. So you are giving yourself permission, giving myself permission to feel my feelings, giving myself permission to create different patterns for myself, create different ways of beings than the, the ones I was taught growing up. Give yourself permission to cry. Give yourself permission to be vulnerable. Whatever it is that you feel like you're resisting, just write it out on a piece of paper. What do you need to give yourself permission for? What have you been hard on yourself about? What have you not been allowing yourself to do? 
that you might not have even been aware of until, I don't know, until you listen to this podcast episode. The other one is tactical breathing. Did you know that I was going to talk about breathing? I remember when I first was being trained in this work, been almost 10 years, nine and a half years. When they got to this part, I was like, you're joking, right? You're going to, you're going to tell me to just to breathe. <laughs> but the research, you guys, the research around how much it helps when we pay attention to our breath, when we intentionally create new breath patterns, there's several different ways. In in the book, she talks about box breathing. It's also called square breathing, where you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for four, you breathe out for four seconds, and you hold that for four. You start the process at, at least three times. Another one I like is the four, seven, eight technique. I believe it is like an ancient yogic technique. Uh, pranayama, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that, but you breathe in for four, hold for seven and breathe out slowly, eight counts. So it's breathe in four, hold seven, breathe out eight. That one has been proven to calm your nervous system, which I mean, that's what's going off when our emotions are kind of getting the best of us and taking over. It's the nervous system has been activated. So really any kind of breathing that is intentional, you know, the box breathing or the four, seven, eight technique. If you really give it a chance, it can help tremendously in calming your nervous system. Journaling is another one. Hopefully you can do it in the moment. You can open up the notes app on your phone or, you know, if you have a journal, pull it out of your purse, <laughs> pull it out of your, your desk drawer at work and start furiously scribbling, or maybe you're not furious, but, but whatever it is, anytime you can get it out on paper, it's going to be helpful. Even if you talk it out in your voice memo or by yourself in the car, it can help so much to actually to do that. And also talking to someone is another way to process your emotions. I heard somewhere, I don't know how accurate this is or if there's any research to back it up, but people who identify as extroverts tend to find it helpful to process their emotions out loud. So this can be in talk therapy. It can be with a friend that uh, will will listen to your, I don't know if you use any voice memo, either via text or you know apps like WhatsApp or Voxer. <laughs> I have a friend and we used to call it like leaving each other podcast episodes where we would talk about things and and sometimes they were, you know, innocuous life things, but sometimes they can be bigger situations and experiences that we have where we can just get the get it get it out to someone who is willing to hear about it. You know, another thing you hear Brene say is you share your story with people who've earned the right to hear it, which is more on that in another podcast episode, but talking it out with either a friend or a therapist or with ourselves and and one thing actually that I didn't think that I would mention, it's not in my notes to mention this as as a way to actually process your emotions, uh, but it's something that I have done recently. And I've I've spoken about it here on the show before about how 
for me personally, I find it fairly easy to access the emotion of anger and even rage. And I know that I am probably in the minority there that most women, maybe many women, it's more fair to say, really struggle with that emotion, anger and and rage, partly because culturally we are taught that, you know, to be a good girl, you know, much of our value is is wrapped up in in our emotions and how we express them. And anger is definitely a quote unquote unattractive one. And maybe it's something that your family explicitly said, or it just feels really scary or unfamiliar or uncomfortable or vulnerable. It can tend to be up there with the emotions that are uncomfortable and vulnerable. So I, I want to just acknowledge that. And what I have found to be incredibly helpful as I'm I'm navigating, for those of you that don't know, I'm uh, navigating a divorce, my second one. This one is similar in the emotional experience as the first one, but slightly different. And I have been doing a lot of screaming. I don't know how else to describe it. I do it when I'm alone and the car is one place to do it. I haven't yet, but I I do know that like you know doing it in the shower can probably be helpful although I haven't done that one. I just haven't felt the need to when I'm in the shower, I feel a little bit more relaxed when I'm there. But I try to do it when I feel it bubble up. Because it it tends to not really be the one where you can just kind of conjure it and you're like, oh, I know I have had some anger the other day. I think I'm going to scream to help process it. it. It It is one of those sort of like in the moment things. I'll tell you what, something else that's really helpful. If you are angry with a person, if someone has hurt you or disappointed you, humiliated you, whatever it is, and you are really working on being the type of person that you're proud of when you communicate with that person. So you're not going to lash out and scream at that person and call them names and do all the things that that we really, you know, don't make us proud of who we are when we actually do that. It can be incredibly cathartic, therapeutic, and helpful to get that out by yourself. So I have... When I am in the privacy of my own bedroom, when no one else is home, the neighbors might have heard me. I have screamed into the ether all of the things that I want to say to the person that has hurt me and that is causing me harm. And it is quite (laughs) the spectacle. I scare myself a little bit. And it feels also incredibly empowering to be able to express it, to get it out. Uh, That one kind of surprised me, like just how therapeutic it would be. You know, at the end, I'll collapse in a heap of, of tears. And it's just an enormous release, an enormous release. I think this is why rage rooms are popular. You know, you can go and break things. A lot of people cry in those. I think people might surprise themselves 
what ends up happening and kind of what feelings come up. So I encourage you to do that. If you feel it start to bubble up and you're in a safe place, you know, maybe where you're alone or you have a baseball bat and a pillow or your fist and a pillow, whatever it is, I encourage you to, to get that out. So I hope this was helpful. Offloading hurt. Again, the book is, is it's from rising strong. Those links are in the show notes and whatever. I know podcast apps are all different. If you go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to, I know on Spotify that the links show up, you can go to the, there's, there'll always be the episode link that'll take you back to my site. You can open it up and there's all the links to the books I mentioned and all the other good stuff. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes, andreaowen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.